Well, hi, everyone, and thanks for joining me on this episode of The 10-Minute Leader. I am here with a special guest named Kent Duick, who I'll introduce to you shortly. My name is Ben Duick, and even though Kent and I share the same last name and the same good looks, we are not brothers, although it wouldn't be bad being your brother, Kent. So anyway, Thank my you. name is Ben, and I'm a yeah, leadership development trainer, coach, and facilitator, and I'm the founder of Cantera Leadership. And if you're watching this, and if you've been watching these, you know that my goal is to connect with leaders who are making a difference and ask some questions and hear from them in around 10 minutes or so. I'm a big believer in learning from others, growing through hearing their stories, hearing what their experience has been like. So as I said, I'm here with Kent, and he is the Executive Director of Inner City Youth Alive, which is in Winnipeg. He's been doing that for 34 years as the Executive Director, and it was founded back in 1986 when it was just a volunteer thing that he did to impact different people. He has a master's degree in organizational leadership. He is married. He has a family. Let me tell you a little bit about Inner City Youth Alive from what I was able to see from your website, but I've also been a volunteer there with what you do at different times in my past as well. Really love what it is that's happening. You're located in North End of Winnipeg, which is one of the poorest and underserved areas in Winnipeg and Canada. And Inner City Youth Alive provides a safe, active, and nurturing environment for children and youth, many of whom experience poverty, abuse, and neglect. You engage local kids by offering quality programs through which relationships grow. These supportive relationships play a vital role in the lives of hundreds and probably thousands. A little bit, Kent. Is there anything you want to add about yourself or about inner city that would be important? Yeah, I mean, there's so much we could say, but I'd say it's been very challenging 34 years, but also amazing. And one of the gifts of 34 years is that almost on a weekly basis, you have youth come back to tell us the difference we made in their lives. And that's sort of like that's that constant you know, you get a sense of, of purpose and meaning when you hear that, okay, we're actually making the difference. And so that's uh, one of the benefits of being here for that many years. Yeah, absolutely. And regardless of whether someone who's watching this has a faith background or not, they can know that the difference you're making in the lives of the inner city people that you're in contact with, it is transforming the community. I mean, from the stories you guys share, the lives that you guys are transforming is amazing. And really that positive influence you guys are making there is, you know, I, I really admire that. So keep up the good work there, Kent, and the Thanks, whole team man. that you have. For sure. It's a whole team. Yes. So Kent, as you know, and as listeners or people who are watching this know, I've sent you five questions ahead of time and, and a sixth one that I already told you it, but I surprised you with a little bit that I'll ask at the end. But let's jump right into the questions and we'll see how this goes. So the first one, if, if you think of your own time as a leader, Kent, and you've led this ministry, this organization for many years, if you think back, what is one decision, and maybe it was just yesterday, I don't know, that you wish you could have made differently in your leadership? Well, I'd say like to, to start, the hardest person to lead, of course, is yourself, right? So when I think about that question, I was racking my brain, quite a library of possibilities there. I would describe that it's a certain kind of mistake that I make in leadership that I try to stay tuned into. So one of the things that in leadership, it's all about influence, right? And so we believe as leaders that we can influence behaviors, we can influence a direction on things, whether it's us in our community or whether it's, you know, it's with our staff in terms of behaviors. And so I would say one of my challenges is waylaying difficult decisions. There's a decision, you know, that needs to be made, but it's got some pretty deep implications. And then believing that, you know, we can we'll work with this. Let's try to, you know, change the circumstances, try to coach people. Let's try to work with people, give people second chances. And I mean, that's what we do here. We, with youth in our community, it's about second, third, fourth, fifth chances, right? And so uh, I'd say... Um, the challenge for me is staying tuned into that weakness, like being aware that if I'm in, if we're into decisions, being aware that maybe timing wise, I should be making a decision sooner. Right. And uh, so that's something that I find is a, is a challenge for me. 
so let's say on my tombstone, uh, you know, it will say he hung in there with people too long. Hmm. It's not an insult, but it's it's certainly something that you right. want to be tuned in that uh, that there's time to you know, yeah. to make a decision. Yeah. When you think of leaders that you have looked to in your growth, who have you looked to as a role model for your own leadership? You know, from a model's perspective, I'd say one person that I, I like is Peter Block. He has a book that he's written called Steward Leadership. And I like what he talks about because it's about collaborative leadership. And it's about believing that the people in your team have kind of the strengths that you need. And so what you do is you kind of draw people in together to decide on a path forward, then you'd agree, you agree on what that path is, and then you cut people loose to make decisions along that path. And so I'd say from that perspective, I, I would look to Peter Block's theories, but I try to uh, surround myself with leaders. So I have lots of friends that are in leadership. And so I would say one thing is, so we're in a charity, but you have to think about charities as business. So I like to look at people in business leadership to see how they make decisions, because I think that that you can cross pollinate with business because right. at the end of the day, what we're doing here is it's got some, you know, pretty altruistic sort of outcomes, but there's a lot of business along the road. And so you have to recognize that uh, some of the decisions you have to make are budget decisions. Some of the decisions are, you know, personnel. So I like to really be, uh, you know, just gleaning from whoever I can in leadership. It's good. That's a good answer. I appreciate that a lot because so often we feel like we're just limited to learning from others who are in the same circumstances as us. And then we don't get those valuable principles that we can actually pull into whichever environment that we're in, right? So that's fantastic. One of the things that I really appreciate about the work that you do is that you are working with people who are often in hurting situations. They're going through painful things, whether it's personal or, or whatever it might be. How can leaders help others who are hurting? So one of the things around power and proximity, I have a mother-in-law who brings me old sayings from the old country. And there's a saying, the czar is very powerful and lives far away in Moscow. So it's kind of this idea that how close are you to your people? So in terms of my staff, I kind of tend to be, although I'm still very connected in the community, I'm one step away from the community. And so what's important for me is to get close enough to my staff to actually know what's going on. And, uh, you know, there's there's often that idea that, you know, hey, don't bring your personal life to work. Well, mm. I don't buy that. People right. bring their personal life to work. If you're struggling in your marriage or you're struggling with your kids or you're struggling with health issues, whatever it happens to be, you can't sort of compartmentalize. And so I find that it's very important to get close enough to my staff so that I know what they're going through and that I actually know the names of their kids. I know what's going on in their families. Yeah. And that, I think, one level, it's counterintuitive because we have work to do right? But yeah. if your staff aren't healthy, then in the end, productivity suffers and the impact that they have in the community. So, you know, in our case, if I'm not tuned into the fact, you know, that I have a certain staff that's maybe seen something very traumatic and that happens yeah. in our community, we walk into situations that are just like, they, you don't unsee them, right? right. And so right. I just ask that person to muscle through, you know, they may be able to do that for a week or two weeks, but they won't be able to do it in the long haul. And in our community, in our context, it is about the long haul because you're building trust in a community where trust has been broken in many cases. So, and the proof is in the pudding here. I know that a lot of, in say church context, people that are youth pastors, you know, I'm, I'm told it's something like a year and a half kind of possibility that in terms of they last about that long. Whereas right. in our context, we have staff that have been here 18, 19, 20 years. And so wow. that speaks to, you know, tending to people's uh, kind of the pain they're walking into and then the stuff they carry with that. Right. Simon Sinek wrote a book called Leaders Eat Last. And I would mm -hmm. add a, a little caveat. I would change it up a bit to say that leaders heal last. So mm. 
So when you think about something that you maybe go through as a team, one of the jobs of the leader is to go around tending to everyone's wounds, kind of triage in, in a way, right? And yeah. how's everybody doing? How's everybody carrying, you know, walking with this? And so, uh, you know, simple example, we had a situation where a young woman in our community was shot and killed and a lot of people saw the body. Then after that event, my assistant, who it was just this traumatic situation and it, it was chaos. And uh, my assistant at the time, I could see she was not doing well. So I had to tune into that and say, okay, it's time for you to, you know, like go home and take care of yourself. So then once you've done that thing about going around and checking on your people, then you also have to be tuned into the fact that as a leader, sort of at a distance, you still carry a lot of that. So you have to also recognize when, when that's all done, you also have to take care of yourself. And so yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a little dance and you don't get it right all the time. Yeah, I love that. Leaders heal last. That's a fantastic tidbit. And that actually leads really well to the next question. I know we could probably have tons of different pieces of advice that you could pass along uh, to other leaders who are watching this. But, you know, if you think of one thing that you would want others to hear about being a leader, what kind of tidbit would you want to provide? I think for me, I really have to wrestle with my principles. What is it that I believe mm. And what is it that I believe deeply to the point of, I die for this, right? And so uh, right. in making decisions, often as leaders, we, we make decisions and then there's consequences. We know there's consequences. So you try to do the projections on those consequences to say, well, if we take this path, what will the implications be? And so with that in mind, sometimes you have to get to the point where you say, all right, I've got a difficult decision to make, but I'm convinced that it's tied to my principles. I can live with this decision. It's extremely difficult, but I know that I'm not compromising my principles. And so you make that decision and then you embrace the consequences. And mm. sometimes those consequences are pretty tough. You can take hits for decisions you make and it can get personal. You can uh, lay awake about decisions you have to make. Mm. But if you can at least live with the fact that I was principled about this decision, I stuck to those principles yeah. and very, very critical, of course, that you have people giving you, you know, a sounding boards telling you, well, that principle sure. is a little skewed, you know, like you want to make sure these are principles that will hold up. And so I think that for me is, it's important also to recognize that. And the brain science is clear on this, right? Our ability to predict the negative consequences of decisions is actually really bad. We're not very good at it. So we can tend to catastrophize worst case scenario thinking, think, well, if I make this, you know, and you lay out this absolutely terrible scenario. And, and rarely do those things actually happen. I think the, the data shit in the high 90s in terms of percentage-wise, 90% of the time we're wrong about wow. the things we worry about. So mm -hmm. I think that for me is when you got to make those decisions, what are your principles? Then make that decision. There's going to be good consequences from that. There's going to be negative. Just embrace them all. The last question before I kind of, we jump to the surprise one, it's a little bit more fun maybe, but the last one is, a, is can be a deep one uh, when you think of what the dark side of leadership means, right? So how do you deal or how do you encourage other leaders to deal with the dark side of leadership? Kind of that, even however you want to define dark side, but how would you answer that question dealing with the dark side of being a leader? Well, I think one needs to be tuned in to kind of that dark, like what is that darkness? and the danger of it. So I think for me, again, back to that that model of leadership where it's a collaborative thing, I try not to, to be distant in my leadership. And mm. so I wanna have people around me. And just yesterday in a meeting, I told one of my staff, we had again, a difficult challenge. We were trying to figure something out, it's not simple. And I said, and this person was sort of hesitantly, you know, kind of giving me feedback. And I, I just said, please, if you don't agree with me, just say it straight up. Like mm -hmm. you don't have to giving people license to, to disagree with me. And right. if you kind of, you know, think that you're, you're in your leadership, that you're above being sort of tarnished or dirtied up by what power does when you're in a position of leadership, 
then that's a, that's a dangerous place mm. to lead from. So yeah. open posture and I often scenario plan. I think about if there's something that, that there's a vulnerability for you in terms of your, uh, your leadership, just think about if you succumb to that vulnerability, play out mm. the circumstances and the, and the ripple effect of a simple decision. And it can have a, a real sobering effect and you can say, all right, I'm sticking to my principles and I'm not going to mm. be intoxicated by this by the power you get from leadership because it, it can have that effect. Yeah. So I think one of the things as well, we need to kind of to mitigate kind of the dangers of the dark side of leadership is to not take ourselves too seriously. We all have this job that we're going to be doing and we want to influence, we want to make a difference in the world. But the reality is when we're retired and when we're looking back on our life, we're going to think about what's going to really matter is who we have become as mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, what we accomplish is very, very important, but the people that matter most to us, are the ones that are going to be impacted by who we've become. So what kind of a person are we? And so that's really, really important. If we fail in our leadership at home, we fail mm -hmm. ultimately. We might be able to move mountains in our professional life, but if we yeah. fail at home, that's a deep failure. And so I think our leadership in the public sphere is important and we need to you know, be diligent, but it is not the most important thing that we can sure. influence. The last question that I want to ask you, and it's a little bit of a fun one, but if you could invite any leader that is out there to come and see what you're doing at, at ICYA there, at Inner City Youth Alive, and it could be anyone, politician, celebrity, author, you know, other leader in any such, any context, and they would come if you invited them and they'd go for the full tour and see what you're doing. Who would you want to invite to see what's going on and, and be a part of what you're doing over there? I'm going to go with Bono from U2. What I see in, in U2's music is kind of revolutionary. And I see mm -hmm. that the way they uh, view the world, it's that how could the world be different? And they kind of have this ambitious kind of a call to revolution. And uh, mm -hmm. now don't let it get out that I'm a revolutionary. But what I'm what we're trying to do here is we're trying to bring about change in our community. And so that's at the heart of who I am. It's about that. This is how things are. Now, how can we see change? And so that's mm. why um, I used to be a runner and I would often listen to YouTube and I would just get so pumped up about kind of their, their songs, their music and kind of their yeah. philosophy that's undergirding their music. And so that's who yeah. I go with, man. That's awesome, man. You know, let's get this video in front of Bono and that's, this is your invitation, Bono. Yes. Come visit Winnipeg Inner City Youth Alive. Kent is there. He'll, he'll give you the tour. So he sees this. Invitation's been sent. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. We'd love to have him. Yeah. Well, and thank you, Kent, for, for taking some time to uh, do this 10-minute leader with me. I really appreciate the answers that you gave. And, uh, you know, for anyone who's looking to find someone who's got some great experience being a leader in an organization and seeing it grow over 34 years of time, you know, that's Kent's, uh, Kent's a great resource for that. Uh, there'll be uh, the website, Inner City Utilized website will be in the show notes here. So if you want to find out more about what he's doing there and what the team is doing in uh, Inner City Winnipeg, check out that website. And there's a bunch of great videos on there as well. I uh, went and took a look at that before our time here today, some of those story room videos that you guys have going, some really fantastic resources and, and things that you can look at to learn from. So thanks again, Kent. I really appreciate it. And thanks for everyone who's listening to the 10 Minute Leader.